0: Hello and welcome to episode 200 of Smarts, which as you know stands for Smarty's Milestone Achievement Reflects Tenacious Spirit. Ooh. Ooh-hoo-hoo. I am your host Julia Gulia of Internet Fame-Podcaster, and with me as always for 200 times now is Trevor, aka Rudigger Q-Podcaster. Hello. Hi. Happy 200 episodes, honey.
1: Happy 200 episodes.
0: Ooh. I had to go away from the mic to get that dot to peak. Hope
1: nobody was listening to this in their car. We're going to have some, oh no! some fatalities I'm on our I'm sorry.
0: Hands. I should have warned you ahead of time. It's 200 episodes. I wanted to do something special.
1: Celebrate with a bang.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Um, no. Okay.
1: <laughs> so you ready for some news? Drive
0: carefully, everybody. Yes, I'm ready.
1: So a couple of exciting pieces of news. Um, as you may or may not know, there's been a long and uh, tragic history of... Um, failed attempts to get an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's classic Sandman series off the ground. Okay. Be it movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was attached to produce and star in a a movie, a set of movie adaptations for a while, and then it was being shopped around to various things. Um, But all those, none of those ever ended up happening. Now it looks like it might actually happen. Hmm. Um, The the Warner Brothers decided to deal with Netflix to do a netflix tv series Mm -hmm. adaptation of sandman um and apparently the the scuttlebutt is that this is the highest budget this is the most expensive tv series that dc has ever done wow um more expensive than anything that's on broadcast more expensive than anything they've got on dc universe Mm -hmm. anything um neil gaiman is attached to be involved uh, David Goyer, who's been involved in a lot of different adaptations from the Christopher Nolan Batman movies to Man of Steel and everything is involved, and Alan Heinberg, who's a TV slash comic book writer. He worked on The OC. He worked on a few other things. He's written some comics. Um, he was one of the people that wrote the script for the uh, the recent Wonder Woman movie. Okay, um, he's wow. attached to be the showrunner. Cool. So we've got Gaiman, Goyer, and Heinberg involved. Looks like it's going straight to series on Netflix, and it's going to be a huge budget adaptation so it looks like this time it might actually happen
0: Whoa, that's cool
1: i think it's much better suited i mean it's it's 12 or 13 books it's it's much better suited to a tv series than i mean if you were to Mm -hmm. do it as a movie you could it would have to be a trilogy it would have to be a trilogy and it'd have to be like lord of the rings Mm -hmm. level edited down to make it i mean you could make it work as like a trilogy of three-hour movies but you would lose so much of the nuance and all the, the digressions and like oh this issue is not going to be about the main plot it's going to be this little story about Shakespeare and everything like I mean you could do an interlude in a movie I guess but yeah. you feel like that would be you would have to Tom Bombadil that stuff like that stuff would be gone you know <laughs> yeah um so this is probably I mean for a while it looked like it was going to be an HBO series but realistically in the today's TV landscape, does it make that much of a difference if it's a Netflix original mm-hmm. or an HBO series? Probably not, right, in terms of yeah. the budget that's being bought, brought to bear, the level of creative freedom, the prestige, the number of people that are going to be able to watch it. It really doesn't make any difference these days. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's a little surprising that they would go, that they would, I just, I'm, I'm a little surprised about the logistics because they've got DC Universe right there and Warner Brothers is preparing their own omnibus streaming service. Mm-hmm. Of which Netflix is therefore going to be a competitor. It seems strange that they would sell the rights to one of their biggest properties to basically a competitor instead of keeping it in-house. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's sort of like Netflix is willing to pay a certain amount to, you know, it's like a shared deal where Netflix is putting up half of the money and Warner is putting up half of the money. Right. If Warner's had to put up all the money, it maybe wouldn't end up happening. So maybe that's the reason why it happened. Kind of like how Marvel did the netflix series even though they could have just put it on abc or done whatever but now they've got their own marvel's got their own streaming service in disney plus right yeah and now they're now all the netflix stuff is gone so for that same reason i'm a little surprised they're doing it this way but if it ends up actually happening then i think it's it's good because this is this is the kind of thing that would really benefit from like game of thrones style length and mm-hmm. l- and budget and level of detail like do 7 or 8 seasons with each season being you know 6 to 12 episodes and really like, I would have to be successful to run that long. But that's kind of what you would need to really, you know, like, each right. season could be a couple of books. And so it would end up running six or seven seasons. I think that that's kind of what it deserves. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. I mean, if if this ends up actually going through to completion, I'm sure it'll be two or three years before we actually see anything. But right. it seems like the, the way it was presented in in these articles is like, this is happening. Like, this is not, doesn't mean it's going to be Good doesn't mean it's going to be successful, but it's it is actually happening in a way that it wasn't before. So that's exciting.
0: That is exciting. You, wow. You've
1: never read Sandman, right? No. So this would be interesting for you. But had you read, had you read? I know you've seen the Watchmen movie, and I know you've read Watchmen. Which did you experience first? Did you see the movie of Watchmen before you read the comic, or after?
0: How, um, it's no, not a perfect
1: I, analogy, but it's sort of the only.
0: No, I read other it before. Seminal. I read, read it before, before I saw it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I feel I, if it's good, if it's good, it would be like the Game of Thrones thing, where you can read it and then you can watch it, or mm-hmm. you can just watch the TV series, and you're not you're losing something, but you're gaining something too. Yeah. Um. So hopefully it'll be it'll be good, and it won't mm-hmm. just be four people that have read the comic because right. it's going to be in front of so many more people that hopefully it's it's done in such a way that people can appreciate it for its own thing. Mm-hmm. And the other bit of news this week, it seems sort of late late in coming, but it's still good news. So. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce the name. Is Michael Chabon or Michael Chabon or I'm not sure where the emphasis goes, but uh, Michael Chabon, renowned Pulitzer Prize winning author of Cavalier and Clay and also the, the person who wrote the uh, Calypso short, Short Treks, the mm-hmm. Calypso one. You remember which mm-hmm. one that one was, right? Um, we've known that he's been involved in the writing staff for the Picard show for a while now. But this week they, they announced that he is officially going to be the showrunner of the series. Oh, wow. Um, so I, what I, it, it is sort of strange that they're only deciding this now, like literally after it's, mm-hmm. they have s- presumably multiple episodes in the can already. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think that it's sort of, I mean, the whole leadership structure behind the Star Trek stuff seems to be kind of in flux because Alex, Alex Kurtzman, they had, you know, Star Trek Discovery had multiple showrunners that it went through and then Kurtzman sort of took over but now he's been sort of promoted to the Grand Poobah of All-Star Trek there. And they've got Michelle Paradise actually running Discovery starting with season three. So I think something similar happened here where it was sort of Kurtzman calling the shots while the show sort of solidified. Mm -hmm. But if Shaban sort of stood out as like, the preeminent voice among the writer's room and sort of took on that role as like a natural leader or whatever, then Kurtzman might have said, okay, I'm going to step back and you run the back half of the season and you're going to be the official showrunner. Mm -hmm. So I I sort of imagine something like that happened. I mean, it's it's easy to look at this and get really excited because, I mean, he's obviously a fantastic author and that short track was probably the best one. So just, if that's all the Star Trek, you know, if that's all we have to base the Star Trek work on, that's pretty good credentials right there because that was like... In 10, 10 to fifteen minutes, that was pretty yeah. much. Those like some top, top tier Star Trek right there. Like yeah, I would put seriously. that up with some of the best Star Trek stories. So this is good if he's if it's going to be his voice and his sort mm-hmm. of leadership um, shepherding the thing through. So that's exciting. It just a li- is a little weird that the show has been in production for like a year now. We've literally seen a trailer for it, and they're only now deciding who the showrunner is going to be. Maybe they're only just now announcing it, but it's still, it still seems sort of. Backwards, but whatever. The whole the whole thing is still. I think the whole Star Trek structure over there is still sort of solidifying, and so maybe this is just another artifact of that. But they they do say that this is. I mean, you would when this was announced, we're like, oh, he's going to do like Stu Patrick Stewart is going to do six episodes or something, and then he's going to be done, right? But they keep saying that no, this is this has the potential to run multiple seasons if it does well and everybody likes it. So it's good that they have somebody in that place now because then they can go forward with that if they want to. I, I imagine it's only going to be it's going to be like. 8 episodes and then like a year and a half in between seasons or something cuz Patrick Stewart is like he's pushing 80 and, and he's also doing other things, right? So it's yep. not going to be he's not going to be doing 26 episodes a season. Yeah. Filming 10 months a year anymore, obviously. So, but it's it's good. To, I think this is good news. Um yeah, and that's it for the news.
0: That's awesome. That's a nice bit of news.
1: So what was your comic of the week?
0: So this week I picked Silencer issue number 18. It is the last issue of Silencer for a while, forever. Well, I don't ever really know, question mark. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I really hope that they bring it back. It's not like when bring you, it it's not like when they end the Green
1: Arrow, you know there's going to be another Green Arrow series. I mean, there yeah. probably won't be another Silencer series. I hope well,
0: there well. will be. Honestly, mm. she's a wonderful character.
1: I've seen this happen too many times. I think it's what's going to happen she'll yeah. be used elsewhere, hopefully well. Maybe she'll end up on le- in like a team book or That's something like hoping. that eventually. But I it. don't think there'll ever be another solo Silencer series. Well, it was
0: so awesome that I uh, I just I would hate to see this be the last last thing that we see of her because she's such a compelling character and in terms of representing people of color and representing women in power and representing families positively like what's wrong with wanting a family and there are so many people in society that kind of need to see that message like she's standing up for wanting a normal life and there's nothing wrong with that and it's just she's she's a powerhouse and like I said in the in the first one of the first times that I picked silencer for a comic of the week. This is the first time that we are introduced to a character where she's already a mom. Like when we meet her, she is a mom like other characters that we meet are young in their story arcs. They go on this sometimes growth journey, sometimes angst journey, sometimes over well, overcoming whatever obstacles they are. They are overcoming. It's it's part of their journey, and then we see them meet somebody, and then we see them start a family, and then we see them progress from there. That's different. This is different. The first not, time we not, meet her, not, she's in a car it's driving. It's not a, her it's little not a baby. first,
1: but it is rare. I mean, I could. I it's think you mentioned rare. that when you mentioned that before. I rattled off other examples, like the Kate Spencer Manhunter, who we were introduced to her in the first issue when she was a divorced, right, mother. Oh and yeah, there you go. From there, and you know, obviously it's. But I mean, for did various... she
0: headline her issue? Did yeah, she that headline was her issue own...
1: one of the Manhunter series, her oh, own eponymous cool. series that lasted for several years, and she was a new character created for that first issue. Yeah, and then from from so from minute one, she was introduced as a divorced mother.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I want to read that series now. <laughs> that was an
1: awesome series. And she, she, she's showing up right now in the Bendis Leviathan th- oh, stuff. Oh, cool. But you, you keep forgetting who she is and why she's there.
0: Yeah, it's true. Because I didn't know her because I didn't read the series. You would love I that only series, started, actually. I would. She was, I c- it was would. kind of
1: daredevil esque in the sense that she was a lawyer who mm-hmm. was sort of fed up with the system and sort of and took the law into her own hands. Oh, she cool. cobbled together this costume from. Um, from superhero and supervillain equipment that was kept in like police lockup oh, from various nice evidence yes and then as the series went on she got involved more and more in like the manhunter legacy because there's been several other manhunters throughout dc comics history going all the way back to a character that jack kirby created for the golden age oh cool and then like the wow. manhunters from the green lantern mythology and everything like yeah. there's all sorts of characters that have been called manhunter in dc comics and she's really of, cool. and you find out that she's actually the, the descendant of superheroes from the golden age and mm-hmm. this whole thing and then with her son and her ex husband, and she developed like this interesting supporting cast around her. And Obsidian, Alan Scott's son, mm-hmm. um, was part of her supporting cast. And it was there that you first learned that he was gay, and he got in, involved in a relationship there. And he was part of the supporting cast. It was a it was a great <laughs> series. It it was canceled after like a year and a half. But there was it was one of the instances of there being like this fan outcry that they actually uncancelled it. Oh, that well. happened two or three times. They're like, we're bringing it back, and then it ran six issues, and then they canceled again. And we're bringing it back again. No, really, this time permanently. But then it was canceled after. Yeah. So
0: but yeah I mean it's rare is what you're saying and and this is the first time for me that I was ever introduced to a character and I just my jaw dropped on the first page when all all we see is this the the protagonist just putting groceries in a car with her little one in the back and then she gets attacked in the parking lot and she holds her own like nobody's business and it was just it was just a jaw-dropping edge of the seat moment for me because I was like whoa go you mom you awesome this is so awesome and um so that, that was when I was hooked, but the, the rest of her character and the rest of the story was so compelling. And it wraps up really nicely here, and it ties into the events in the other books, the overarching umbrella story of um, Leviathan and, and Argus and D.E.O. and all the others are spiral and so on, are being attacked and decimated by an unknown entity. And this actually has a positive effect on her life in that because everybody is being decimated on in the bad guy roster, um, her escape will most likely work, at least in the short term and um, potentially in the long term, depending on whether or not they bring back the series. But
1: Well, this new guy, this new Leviathan guy, I mean, mm. it, I guess it's an open question how much of Talia's resources that he's privy, like how much of her information... They like seem what, to know a lot. ...the database he's privy to, to or whatever. Yeah, but, but he doesn't seem... Well, he seems like he knows a lot about a lot of things, but whether he has access to like her personal files or whatever, sure. and her her experiments, but we don't know. But he doesn't seem like he's that interested in following up on all of her loose ends. Talia sure. was the one that was obsessed with yeah. keeping on so, or under yeah. her thumb exactly. for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this new this new guy seems like he's more he's more of a big picture guy. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, that's why I picked it. It was just a great issue and it's ended on a nice hopeful note. And it didn't end with everything cleaned up, you know? Like, the the repercussions of coming back to her family are not as smooth as she was hoping that they would be and her husband is starting to ask questions about what it is that she knew and who it is that he married. Um, but everything seems to be on such a hopeful note and... A kind of a rejuvenating fresh start on the horizon that it's just it's a heck of a way to end it series. had kind of a
1: soprano almost like literally a sopranos ending where i guess in sopranos it wasn't well no. it was, it's like, well, it was... it, well it was kind of similar and a door is opened yes and you're, and you're kind of left like was there a guy with a gun on the other side of the door it's going to shoot Do every... you
0: know how sopranos ended <laughs> yeah that's how
1: sopranos ended no, they're sitting <laughs> they're sitting in a restaurant and the door opens and tony soprano looks up to see who's coming in the door and then it cuts to black
0: that's not how it ends. That is how the he sopranos was in the middle of a sentence when he got shot in the back of the head.
1: That's not how The Sopranos ended, but that's fine. You can look it up on Wikipedia okay, later. Okay, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> that's what some people presumed happened after a cut to black. Okay, but it was a controversy at the time because it cut to black and it was silent for like a minute, and everybody thought their feeds had gone out. Oh, that's. But it was funny. actually like a cl- like it was sort of a, you imagine what happens next. Like oh. the clues are there if you want to put it together. Maybe there was somebody came in that shot him. Maybe it was just somebody coming into a restaurant, but you don't know. And here it's sort of similar, where she's like, "This could be a neighbor coming over to." Mm-hmm ask me a question or it could be an army of cyborg hitmen that might be after me even though I think I'm safe I, well they I, I'm, ordered
0: I'm, pizza and so she well
1: yeah is it the pizza guy or yeah. is it someone who's come to kill me Because, but I'm always going to be looking over my shoulder I'm always going to be asking that question anytime I open a door or or walk down the street or go for a drive yeah. I'm always going to be asking that question but I'm, I'm just going to have to move forward right And then you see her opening the door, but you don't see who it is. So, I mean, I doubt doubt that the intention was that it's someone there who kills them all, including her young son. But clearly it was done in such a way where it's like it's an open-ended ending. Like she either lives happily ever after or she doesn't. You know, yeah. if it's fi- you know, but what's going to happen is she's going to show up in the background of some group shot in some big crossover, and you'll and they're like, oh, there she is, but she'll maybe get like one line if the writer is particularly fond of the character, mm-hmm. and then that'll be it for a long time until someone like makes her a supporting character in somebody else's series or something. Right. That's it's kind of the way it goes.
0: Mm. That's a bummer.
1: I've seen this. Go, I've seen this go around too many times. This is what happens: is they, they throw a bunch of new characters out there. The series get canceled. Yep. You know, the Terrifics is the only one of the New Age of Heroes titles still going. Everything else got canceled. Damage, Silencer, and New Challengers. Yep. Um, the, was it? the I can't even remember the names of them all. The Unknown or whatever. What was the one with the, no, the Immortal Man. Um, then there was, what was the one with Neon and Firebrand?
0: Oh, uh, nope. The can't Unexpected.
1: Remember. Wasn't that what it was called?
0: Yes, that's right. Th-
1: th- these things, cut ca- like, is... You know Come what I mean? Go, like yeah, that yeah. was only a few months ago, but they just, you, they go out of your brain. But that
0: one didn't, that, that one, that one was a fun, entertaining story, but it didn't feel as compelling as this character. This character means a lot this to me. Is, I this, like her This
1: Listen the, the Terrifics. Um, damage was always kind of slight in the sense that it didn't yeah. really have a lot of depth. It was just like. It was just fun. Rollicking action. But I would say that the, I would say that the merits of the series kind of, I mean, they all eventually got canceled. But I would say that it ended up being kind of a meritocracy where I'd say that the best series kind of ended up lasting the longest out of that batch wouldn't you say I I would say that the only thing the the only thing area where that's not true is I think the silencer is probably better than the terrifics so I would maybe have had it last for longer Mm -hmm. but if only but of all the series to get this far the terrifics and silencer yeah with damage coming up a little shorter than them is probably just about right in terms of this is one of the rare instances where the sales seemingly kind of match the quality of the books so not the manhunter situation where it was winning all the awards but nobody was reading it you know
0: that's crazy well yeah that's that happens sometimes um anyway that was but my comic of the week. it's a
1: tough pitch right like a new character without a legacy name with no recogni the only recognizable elements in there were talia and leviathan and yep. talia wasn't even in it that much for the first six or eight issues um she was like a shadowy presence she was in the first issue a little bit but then you would go whole issues without seeing her i mean yeah. it's not like having batman in there every month or something like the even damage had had he was going up against the justice league and batman right. every other every other month you know um New character, like you say, a woman, uh, a female character, a, a woman of color, um, without a recognizable name attached to it. Excellent creators. I mean, Dan Abnett writing and John Romita Jr. during the art at first, and then later other people like um, I'm trying to think, uh, Victor Bogdanovich, I think, is his name, and then um, B. Ken Marion did the last few issues. He, he hasn't been my favorite of the artists they've done. They've gotten, but they've gotten a lot of really good artists, but just not big headliners. You know, like all mm-hmm. these all these New Age of Heroes series launched with big name. Artists, And in fact, you recall it was even experimental where they were giving the artists top billing over the writers oh, for this because these were supposed to be like art right. driven books where the artists were contributing more than just drawing the scripts. They were contributing the plots and everything and the writers were just sort of scripting it. Um, but after the first few issues of like Jim Lee even did the art for the first issue of um, The Unexpected, not The Unexpected, I'm sorry, uh, The Immortal Man. But then right. like the second issue was handed off to someone else. So the series kind of, all of these series kind of lost momentum early on because the big name artists that were attached were never gonna stick around for very long. They were like, you know, J.J. Abrams directing the pilot of Fringe and then going on to do movies, you know what I mean? Like they, they set it up and right. then they, they set yeah. the tone and then they move on and that's kind of what happened here. So that sort of deflated a lot of the series early on where if you were reading the this, this series for John Romita Jr. Art, you only got it for three or four issues and then you got other people who were a similar style and were also very good, but not the same. And Dan Abnett, Although he's, he's one of our favorite writers, you know, Aquaman, mm-hmm. Titans, all the other stuff. Um, now do, now he's doing um, Justice League Odyssey. Uh, he's one of our favorites, but he's not like, oh, Jeff Johns is writing this book. Or, yeah. you know, Tom King is writing this book. So they were I, I sort of saw the writing on the wall when they announced a bunch of new books, all starring brand new characters with no recognizable names attached. I mean, Neon and Firebrand are legacy names, but how many people reading knew that? Did you know that? That those were neon, the unknown, and Firebrand were characters that went that go back decades. No, so I I think that these series, it's and Damage is a name that goes back a ways too. But it's these are series that were kind of doomed from the beginning, probably. And the I don't think it's a surprise that the one that lasted the longest, the Terrifics, is one that's stocked entirely with recognizable characters: Mm Mister Terrific, Metamorpho, Plastic Man, Phantom Girl. Yeah, like you've got recognizable characters in there. You've got. Recognize this was Jeff Lemire as a writer as his big return to DC after doing almost all other stuff for, for years. So that it's not surprising that the momentum of that one carried it past the others. But yeah, I'm sorry to see it go. Yeah. So, um, so my pick was so I would have picked Silencer also, but in lieu of that, I picked Wonder Woman number seventy three because nice. I think this was an excellent sort of one off issue. Steve Orlando guest writing, um, he did the excellent fill in arc um, last year it probably was where she teamed up with Artemis. Um, for a few issues. Uh, So he came back and did this sort of fill-in issue, which is sort of like an interlude amongst all the other stuff that's going on with the gods and Mm -hmm. the sword and everything else. Um, But this was just a great issue. This is an adventure that she and her mother had when she was younger. They go to like this mirror universe, basically, where all the Amazons are evil, and they have to convince evil Hippolyta not to be evil anymore and thwart this invasion by these people that are coming in. It was just a good issue that sort of got... like uh, Steve Orlando clearly loves the character. Mm -hmm. Like he really gets gets her and gets to her heart so it's just a, a good one-off issue in the art i think it was aaron LaPresti who did the last six or eight issues or so of damage if the art looks familiar okay. to you um did the art here and he's he's always been one of my favorites too so i i really enjoyed the art also it was just a really good solid issue of wonder woman i'm enjoying this this overall run by g willow wilson that that's happening yeah um but this was just a really good solid issue. And sometimes the fill-in issues are the ones that really make you sit up and take notice. Because it's one thing to sort of be reading the story that gradually unfolds over a couple of years. But if you have like a single standalone issue, yeah, then it's just like a self-contained story that you don't have to try to remember. Like, well, wait, what was going on? It's just like it's an entire like meal that you get in one issue. Those can sort of be the ones that stick with you more sometimes. So. Hmm. I really enjoyed this one. I agree. So you ready for your quiz? I'm ready. Okay, so this week, because it's the 200th episode.
0: You're asking me 200 questions.
1: That's right. For, <laughs> settle in for a 17-hour podcast. <laughs> no, I'm going to be quizzing you about things we talked about in the in, in the entire history of smarts.
0: <laughs> oh, that's okay? so amazing.
1: So oh I'm going God. to uh, give you an episode number. Okay. And then I'm going to give you four topics. Three are our topics that we talked about in that episode. And one is a topic that we talked about a year after that episode. Oh, okay.
0: that's funny. Okay.
1: Or to be exact, 50 episodes later. So I for see. example, this one, the first question is about episode one. So there's three things we talked about in episode one. And one thing we didn't talk about till episode 50. Okay. And you have to tell me which is the one that came way later. Okay. okay. All right. So episode one, which of these things did we not talk about in episode one? DC Comics Convergence event. Milestone Comics coming back. The Apple versus the FBI story. Or Edward James Almos guest starring on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: Apple versus FBI.
1: You think that was the one we talked about later? Yeah. Yes, you are correct. Yes. Was that just a guess?
0: No, it's just because I feel like it happened, that more, happened recently. more recently. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, that's good. That's what you should be going on. Okay, episode 25. Which of these things did we talk about in 25 and which was until episode 75? Hawkman being cast for Legends of Tomorrow? The premiere date for Class being announced. Remember when Class was a thing? Oh yeah. The premiere for Class being announced. <laughs> Drew Powell, aka Butch, being promoted to regular on Gotham. Or the or a long discussion of the Brian Azarello Cliff Chang run on Wonder Woman. So Hawkman, Class, Butch, or Azarello Chang Wonder
0: Woman. Hawkman came later.
1: Nope, it was Class.
0: It was Class. Yep, Class really? was until a year after that. What? Okay. I mean, I didn't think that it debuted, but I didn't know that it was It was
1: probably okay. shortly after that. I mean, they announced the premiere date. The actual premiere was probably only a month or two after that. I see. Okay. I don't, it's not like the BBC announced the premiere date a year before <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. All right. Episode 50. Did we? T- which of these didn't we talk about? Um, Star Wars Episode Eight, later to be known as The Last Jedi, beginning filming. Um, the first details of DC's rebirth initiative. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 beginning filming. Or the... Uh, or the release of the first character details for Freeform's New Warriors series?
0: God. New Warriors? What? I don't remember. Well, that, that never wrong. ended up
1: happening, but oh. it was a thing we talked about.
0: That's cruel. This is a vicious question. Um, wow. Um, wait, can you go? I need, <laughs> I need to read those. Can I? Star
1: Wars Episode 8, beginning filming. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, beginning filming first details on dc's rebirth initiative or the first character details for new warriors
0: i have no idea um i'm gonna say episode eight
1: no it was the new warriors thing that wasn't until it a was the new warriors
0: yep. okay see i should have just gone with my gut because that's what i was saying the whole time in my head all, all right.
1: right question four episode 75 did we talk about a new political video from Joss Whedon, possible plot leaks for Avengers Infinity War, the release of the iPhone 7, or was this the episode where the latest issue of Bane Conquest was your comic of the week?
0: What? I need to look at these. I There's so much information. <laughs> silence. Well, yeah. <laughs> you can fill the silence if you want, but I can't talk while I'm thinking. Ah! Um... I don't know., um, comic of the week.
1: That's right. that was that was later.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. In episode <laughs> 100, did we talk about um, the directors being named for the Captain Marvel movie, DC announcing its new Dark Matter line, which later became the New Age of Heroes line that we just talked about. Was this the uh, episode where DC Nation number zero was my comic of the week? Or was this the episode where it was announced that James Gunn would write and direct Guardians of the Galaxy volume three? So Captain Marvel directors, DC's Dark Matter, James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy three, or DC Nation number zero comic of the week. (laughs) Silence again.
0: There's so much can I read can I can I read the notes? No, because
1: the, the notes have the correct answer highlighted. Oh. <laughs> which I'm glad you didn't realize when you looked at the last one.
0: Oh. <laughs> um
1: Captain Marvel Directors, DC's Dark Matter, James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, or DC Nation Number Zero Comic of the Week. Uh James Gunn. No, it was DC Nation number zero. That was that was a year later. That was only a year ago, DC Nation number zero. I don't
0: remember DC Nation at all. I don't remember that at all. Sure I don't even did. know what it is. What is that? It's
1: a number zero issue of DC Nation. Thank you. Yes. All right. <laughs> Question six, episode 125. Okay, which of these did we not talk about in 125? Joel McHale being cast in the Girl series. Mark Strong being cast as, as um, Dr. Savannah for the Shazam movie. Gotham recasting Poison Ivy. Or the Batman Brave and the Bold movie movie featuring the team up with Scooby-Doo. So, Joe McHale, Mark Strong, recast Poison Ivy, or Batman Scooby-Doo.
0: Well, they recast her twice. So, that's kind of mean to, you know, because I don't remember which time you're talking about. Um,
1: I think it was the second time. If that helps. I think the headline said um, Gotham recast Poison Ivy with Flash actress or something like that. So that was the that would have been the second time.
0: That doesn't help. Um, now I don't remember anything else. I'm just <laughs> going to say, yeah, okay, it was Poison Ivy.
1: Nope, it was Joel McHale being cast a, in Stargirl. That was only 25 episodes ago. That was in episode 175. That was six months ago we talked that about
0: that. That was going to be my answer too.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: I claim two more points because of the things that would have been my answers. All right. Number seven. (laughs) Episode
1: 150. Yes. Is this the one where we talked about the DC Universe digital platform being announced? Um, Was it the one where a Batman comic by Tom King and Tony Daniel featuring Booster Gold was your comic of the week? Was it the one where I quizzed you about members of various DC Comics teams? Or was it the one where I quizzed you about topics from the last 200 episodes of Smarts?
0: (laughs) It wasn't that one, so thank you for the mercy question. No, I was really churning my head on that one. Um, I, I choose option, the last option you said, D.
1: So that was episode one hundred and fifty. So, you, so you think that that's the one that happened fifty episodes after episode one hundred and fifty?
0: What are you talking about?
1: Remember that each of the each of the uh, each of the trick answers is one that was actually in fifty episodes hence, right? So this is the question about episode one hundred and fifty. So that would mean that. You
0: just said the last thing you said was the one where you asked me about the previous 200 episodes. So you think
1: that's the one that comes 50 episodes after episode 150?
0: Yes, I do.
1: (laughs) Yes, you are correct. Good. Okay.
0: Okay. That's how math works.
1: Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay, good. So number eight, episode 175. (laughs) Episode 175. Yes. So which of these did we not discuss till 50 episodes after episode 175? Okay, number one, <laughs> Ian Zeering being cast in Swamp Thing. Okay. Did I pronounce that name correctly?
0: Yes, you did. All Good right. job.
1: Number two, uh, you picking Batman Annual 3 as your comic of the week, which was a story that was told from Alfred's perspective. Was it the one where I quizzed you about Elseworlds titles? Or is it the one where we discussed how much we love our new insect overlords?
0: Oh, well, that's a harbinger of bad things to come. They win, do they? That's, that's a shame. Um, yeah, no. I'm gonna say that we we have yet to discuss the insect overlords being Correct. our lords and masters. That's right. Yeah, that's gonna suck, man. I feel bad for the future versions of that's us.
1: Episode two twenty five.
0: Yeah, not too far away.
1: So, so you got one, two. <laughs> I don't know you didn't do very well on that one. I feel like. I think I. You got I three only or four. Got four. You yeah. got the last couple. Yeah. Woohoo! You actually, re- you actually are a- you are able to. Um, I shadow re- got two more you because are able I to remember you are able Q. to remember the present yes and the future but you're not so good at remembering the past
0: no no I'm not I think that um, time has told that tale very well and will continue to do so in the future Think yes. about that
1: <laughs> so should we talk about our shows yes ready so we have new episodes of <laughs> that A- was awesome <laughs> we have new episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Krypton and Swamp Thing awesome so this was a good episode of Agents of Shield. Yes it was. Um Coulson I can't call him Coulson. Uh Sarge, Sarge is able to um
0: That was that was boss. That was so boss. Not ingratiate
1: <laughs> himself but sort no. of insinuate himself into uh into the Shield command structure by mm-hmm. being the only guy who knows what's going on when yeah. everybody else is sort of fumbling around. Um yeah, I'm not sure I have really a lot to say about it, but it was a really it was just a really well it was well structured, well acted, you know, like mm-hmm. there were surprises and It sort of came around, like you kind of knew, I I predicted, like, okay, if the episode sets up, him at the beginning saying, by the end of the day, I'm going to be running this place. It's like, that's going to have to happen. Otherwise, you've just made your new antagonist seem like an idiot. So, indeed, that ended up happening.
0: You called it much better than I did because I was... For sure, thinking that my, our guys were gonna win, you know, and that Sarge was you gonna did. be put in his place. No seriously. That doesn't happen I did. in episode
1: five of a thirteen episode I thought they'd season. Te-
0: <laughs> I know. I thought they'd team up, you know. I thought they'd,
1: they'd I think that, I bet they are gonna team up. But I'm just talking about like as far as his arc in this episode, it would have to end with him on top for it oh, to right. sort of fulfill the payoff of the of the beginning of the episode.
0: Chekhov's threat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean I enjoyed the the journey. I was there for all the ups and downs. Um I think the performances by all the actors were really, really good. And I like where the story was heading. So it makes perfect sense.
1: I thought it was kind of, I don't know if it was intentional or not on Clark Gregg's part, but with the scene where Sarge walks in and Mac has got like the hologram of Coulson yeah. standing there. Coulson has got like this dopey grin on his face. Yeah. And Coulson would often have kind of like a dopey grin on his face. Yeah, sometimes. But I, I bet that, I think that Clark Gregg was kind of like, he was ramping it up a little bit there. To
0: show the juxtaposition yeah, well, between the but, two. But yeah. also
1: like cause this guy comes in, he's like a complete badass, right? Yeah. And he's looking at this guy that's got like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that like we know that Colson was actually really cool, but in that scene, I think we're kind of supposed to think, yeah, Colson kinda of was a, a a bit of a goofball, you know, like compared of nerd, to this guy, yeah. you know? Like we're so it's it's actually supposed to be like, wow, man, like Colson was a was a great guy and got stuff done, but compared to this guy, he actually kind of does look like a bit of a milk toast, you know? I think that was kind of
0: what was that milk toast? Milk toast. <laughs> what is
1: that? It's it's entirely possible I might be entire only using adjectives derived from The Great Gatsby from from now on. <laughs> you never heard the you never heard someone describes the milk toast before. No. I don't know. That might be like I
0: read that book. I just don't remember that. No, I don't know where that's
1: I don't know where that's from. But it's a thing. A milk toast. A soft. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know Sop. Sop I, I am familiar with. But that's amazing. A milk toast. Oh, okay Dear Diary, today I learned what a milk toast is. Sand, yours truly. <laughs>
1: so, Krypton. Yes. So, I didn't think this was quite as good as the second episode. Agreed. Um, yeah. There were, there, were, there were times when it seemed like it dragged. Like, all the stuff yes. with mm-hmm. Seg, like, in, in his mind with Brainiac. Yeah, that like, was all, repetitive. There was, like, different people appearing to him. Then, finally, Lyda appeared to him. But... It just kind of felt like...
0: It didn't feel like it was mm, going it did, to go th- well, they the didn't, way it they didn't really feel it, to. it
1: didn't really feel like there were... I didn't feel the stakes there. Yeah. And also it just feel feels like, oh, like he's been infected with this villain. So we have to have the scene where he confronts the villain in his mind and overcomes him through shield world. It felt like they were just sort of... It felt like sort of plot by numbers, that part of it. Right. Um, and then the other the other aspects didn't really advance very much. Mm-hmm. Like Lyda like convincing... Zod to let her go to Wegthor. I mean, that's forward movement, but that's not... You say that, it doesn't exactly sound like a thrilling development, right? Right. Um, And then Nyssa further sort of ingratiating herself into the rebel camp there by sleeping with someone, I guess, that she had been previously involved with Mm -hmm. and then getting... Like, she's sort of like like the swiped, access code it was like or something NFC, yeah. Sort of NFC thing. wrist you know, she, chip. She sort of pulled up the plans and she was doing things. So you know her allegiances are still in question. Are they? Um, <laughs> well, she's conflicted. I, mean, I know just,
0: she's conflicted, but
1: I mean the stuff with with uh, Seg and Adam versus Lobo on Colu, yeah. was is probably still the the most interesting stuff that's going on. You know, just because Lobo is entertaining to watch on screen as as is Adam. You know, Seg has got. You know, a certain amount of, you know, charisma and, and presence to him, also. But I, I, because a lot of this episode was it, of uh, the scenes that, concerned them was either in seg's mind or seg like lying on the thing while adam mm-hmm. was trying to wake him up or i mean the lobo stuff was kind of funny where lobo comes in and his arm gets cut off by the force field right but then he kills himself and then the arm starts to regenerate a new lobo and the comics lobo is capable of regenerating himself even from a drop of his blood mm-hmm. uh, like a full it, it's cartoon logic it doesn't make any sense but a new lobo will grow that will have like all of the old lobo's memories and everything mm-hmm. like how that's supposed to work who knows um By all logic, he wouldn't have needed to kill himself, Mm -hmm. the original version. Mm -hmm. And indeed, that shouldn't have worked because even, like I say, if you can regenerate yourself even from a drop of blood, blowing off your head is not going to kill you. Right. By all rights, there should now be two Two Lobos. Um, The only thing I could think is that maybe he was just trying to simplify things. Like he knows how much of a pain it would be in his own ass to have another Lobo around. So it's like, look, that guy's where he needs to be. So I'm just going to take myself out of the equation because having two of me around is too much... Even for me to deal with, right? Yeah. So, character motivation-wise, makes sense, but logistically, he shouldn't have been able to kill himself that easily. He's Lobo's supposed to be unkillable, mm-hmm. unless he's got some sort of crazy Zarnian gun that's capable of preventing Maybe, the regeneration or something. But I don't know. Um, but the the it was, it was uh pretty effective, the scene where he's like Lobo's like half regrown and he yeah. kind of like propels himself at Adam even yeah. though he's just like he's basically half a, torso, a bu- he's basically a bust, a bust at that point, yeah. like a sentient bust.
0: Um, sentient <laughs> bus, my band name in high school
1: yeah but i so i mean i enjoyed it but it was not I, I think it wasn't as as good as the second episode it just feels like they're i don't know it's like it, these seasons are short they're only 10 episodes or something like that mm-hmm. um but i know it feels like you would think more stuff would have happened by now three episodes in you think we would have gotten more doomsday stuff or the stuff with Zod would have moved a little further forward or mm-hmm whatever. It just feels like we're a third of the way through the season and not really much has happened yet.
0: Exactly. That's, that was my criticism. Like finally we get a couple episodes where something seems to happen and then we had those. I, I, I remember telling you that I wasn't particularly a big fan of the premiere and this episode is the same way um, where it just seems like they had a lot of filler scenes that were expository and rather boring and... I don't...
1: So yeah, I didn't, I I'm know. not a
0: fan. I just n-
1: I don't know. I mean, there have been there have been shows that we've really enjoyed, like yeah. some of the Marvel Netflix shows, where there's episodes where not much happens, but it doesn't matter as much if it's really well done. Like right. if the dialogue is really well written and it's really atmospheric and well shot, then and
0: there's some there's nothing can... there's no show where nothing happens that is interesting to me. So in those quieter episodes, you've got some character development, maybe some depth, some exploration of. I don't know, motivations or something that happens. Well, I think that might be it.
1: Like there's definitely been episodes of shows we watch where not much happens from a plot perspective. But if you're really invested in the characters and the characters are being written and acted very well, like Mm -hmm. even if all they're doing is just talking about stuff and being expository, that can still be done well enough to entertain you for 45 minutes. I just don't think it's it's being it's done well here. enough here. Like, Correct. There's yeah, been episodes too. of, like there's probably been, you could probably point to an episode of Swamp Thing and say like how much how much actually happened, like what happened that is of consequence in a certain episode of Swamp Thing? Because mm-hmm. by the end of it, they stop the threat and nobody actually ends up killing themselves. Right. And there's characters sort of learn things about themselves but and we learn things about them, but not much actually happens. But Swamp Thing is just so well acted and directed and everything in the atmosphere is such that you're, just, you're still on the edge of your seat, even mm-hmm. if at the end of, say, this most recent episode of Swamp Thing, none of the characters are really in a different place than they were at the beginning, right. but you still feel like you were told an, an entertaining tale, and it captivated you for 45 minutes, and 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 because it's not, Swamp Thing is a show about, it's lower, I mean, I guess you're talking about the green and the rotten, these sort of <laughs> universal forces, but... It feels like a much smaller character-focused story, whereas Krypton is... If it had positioned itself as like a court intrigue family drama kind of thing, then maybe just characters talking to them, talking to each other in back rooms for 45 minutes would be what we expect. But because it set itself up as like this planetary struggle for Krypton and there's doomsdays here and brainiacs invading and they're going to other planets with the Zeta Beam and there's time travel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you have an episode where it's just characters talking for 45 minutes, it doesn't feel like enough is going on. Whereas... In a show with where it sets the expectation for lower stakes and a slower pace, you can you could have an episode like that. Plus, if it's better done, and you you don't mind, right? Right. So, like this episode of Swamp Thing, we can transition to that. I feel like th- this was a really good episode. But if you look at like what 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 happened that was of consequence in this episode, we not really a lot. Like we we learned things. We learned that you know Matt is possibly the one who shot. Um, Alec, although you seem more doubtful of that than I do, mm-hmm. we learn that, you know, the, the lens that his mother is willing to go to, to protect him in his good name, right? Yep. We learn how far, um, Maria is willing to go to be with her daughter again, and mm-hmm. how far Abby is willing to go to protect, uh, Maria, even if she doesn't want her around, right? right? We learn about the circumstances that, of, of the incident where Abby and what was the, uh, Shauna, right? mm mm-hmm. Shauna. That resulted in Shauna's death, and we learn more about what happened there. Mm-hmm. We um, also
0: learned that Abby didn't know, didn't remember. Like her memory is so laden with guilt that she didn't remember that.
1: It wasn't exactly really her how fault. it happened. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really her fault. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just now remembering there was like that one. St- so okay, so did you? You, I sort of kind of glanced over at you to see if you would be like, but I didn't. I didn't see any such reaction. Do you remember the guy who like paddled up to Swamp Thing? I remember. And it, so, do you know who that guy is?
0: He seems so he, familiar. He I was. Know.
1: Well, he doesn't look anything like he does in the comics. But he basically, in a backhanded kind of way, in a a roundabout kind of way, said his name. But it didn't seem like it registered with you.
0: Yeah. No, you're going to have to refresh my memory. He said,
1: like, oh, I'm just a stranger. And then his next sentence involved the word phantom. Oh. That was supposed to be the phantom stranger.
0: Oh well, I don't know that character. I've heard the name before, but it doesn't. You you have know what he looks meaning. like, though, right? No, I don't know what the Phantom Stranger. Wide
1: brimmed blue hat, long blue cloak, gold around his neck, sort of a white.
0: It kind of looks like the question with... meets Booster Gold.
1: No, not really. You would know the Phantom Stranger if you've seen him in stuff. He was voiced by um, he was voiced by Kevin Conroy in that one uh, Batman Brave and the Bold episode.
0: Um. But no, you've I seen you've seen him and stuff. Okay, you would know I him if you saw bit.
1: him, but he he doesn't normally look like this. He normally looks like this this very
0: tall, svelte person.
1: This very sort of regal presence, where it gets this long, flowing cloak and this hat, which is always covering his face okay. in shadow, and these gold chains around his neck that represent not like in a bling, I need to look this not up like in a blingy I'm not kind of way.
0: Remembering nothing of this, okay. Is it
1: gold or silver? Because then they later reveal that he that he was really Judas, and that was why he had. But oh, that would make more silver. sense if it was yeah, silver, silver, right, around his neck, not gold. But I'm picturing it as gold. I can't remember. Um, but he was, like, cursed to walk the earth forever and, like, make up for the damage that he'd, for the sins oh. that he'd committed, basically. Um, but, yeah, that was supposed to be that. And, and so, the, and there's precedent in the in the Alan Moore run of characters like, we talked about this, I think, last week, characters like Phantom Stranger Inspector, and, and Etrigan showing up mm-hmm. briefly to sort of, like, the broader mystical aspect of the dc universe plus like we also talked about last week there are these rumors that they were going to build to a justice league dark kind of thing cool so you can well imagine a series where you had
0: a house of whispers show up swamp thing
1: Mm -hmm. blue devil madame xanadu phantom stranger and dead man or something fighting some big threat at the end of season three so um yeah he just showed up briefly and then maybe we're going to see more of him Mm -hmm. as he's going to be kind of like a mysterious mentor character who knows what's going on um the only, I think the, the only complaint I have about the series so far is that, and, and I think it was, it was a, probably a smart choice to focus on Abby as the protagonist, because you can just do more with her than you can with this guy who just like slowly lurches through the swamp. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like we haven't really gotten enough? And I don't just mean in terms of screen time. Like, it's one thing if you want to use Swamp things sparingly as like this mysterious force. But I feel like given that he was presented... <laughs> If you started the first episode and he was already Swamp Thing and like she comes to town to investigate this mysterious thing and we barely see him, he's like this mysterious Mm -hmm. force that we don't Mm -hmm. really see very much, that'd be one thing. But the first episode is about Alec and Abby getting to know each other and us getting to know him as a person, right? Yeah. And then he largely disappears from the series, right? We only see him for a few minutes per episode. And I feel like the pilot sort of set us up to really care about him and root for him. I just feel like we're not getting enough of his there's an interesting story to be told as the comics did about him learning about his powers and his place in the green and why he was resurrected and all these things. We're getting bits of it in mm-hmm. each episode, mm-hmm. but very, very little of it proportionately to the whole plot with the disease in town and the Sunderland's wheelings and dealings and even the Like I think I think um Zeering might have had more screen time in this episode than Swamp Thing did, or if, if it was at the very least it was close, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I just feel like Maybe because they thought they were going to have more episodes, more seasons. Yeah, that's what that I was slowly going to say. You answered your it own out. question. But do, do you agree? You, do you see what I mean? I just I do feel see like what you mean. Yeah. I want to know like what he's going through emotionally, and and is he learning? learning yeah, how to use little, his, tiny, to use his yeah, powers? Exactly. Like what is it? Because it's been days, weeks have passed, something like that. Yep. Has he just been wandering around? Like has he been? Practicing with his powers? Has he been asking questions? Has he been like trying to tap into the green? Has he been doing any of these things, or has he just been wandering around? Can't sleep because he doesn't sleep. Is he just like wandering around through the Looking trees, doing stuff. doing what? Like, I feel yeah. like we, I want to know more about what's going on with him. We haven't really been getting it. Yeah. Maybe that's just the first half of the season thing, and then it'll, as we learn more about what's going on, as he gain, bec- becomes more powerful, his involvement will ramp up towards the end of the season.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. It's. I'm not saying I'm not saying Still you can't. Still
0: remains unclear, like why this Susie character was tied to him, such that she escaped a hospital room to, to what go be his mentor, be his guide. Well, that made she, zero sense and so had very little payoff. Was
1: she the only one? She wasn't right. The only person who was infected that survived. A lot no. of them survived. I the guess, The majority
0: right? of them survived. Uh, Abby saved them all. By I mean, it made sense to me that it made sense to
1: did. me that she would have a connection. If it was the green that was infecting them. Then yeah,
0: we still don't really know. Is it
1: the green or was it the rod? I guess we don't really know. I think I think we do know it was the green. Yeah, it was the green because, because Swamp Thing told her that it's that the illness is fighting, is fighting back. Fighting back, yeah. So it would make sense that people that were infected with the green would have some sort of connection to Swamp Thing. But you're right. Why? Why just her?
0: Yeah.
1: There could be an explanation for that, or it could just be that, that like, was
0: did just the green, ch- did the green,
1: choose her or something. Like there's there's a mystical element to all this too. It's kind of like oh, the force decided that this person would you know sure. Like yeah. if if the green but knew- it didn't
0: really pay off. Like she goes, she Yet. got saved by him, and then she got shunted back. And what is that that job done? But she's like-
1: but she's clearly important because now she's being like this vessel for yeah, I guess true. the rot or something, right? Like if she's this. If she's just like this chosen one, like this special child that's mm-hmm. going to be either the savior of the green or the savior of the rotten, both sides are fighting over her, and it's Swamp Thing's job to protect her ultimately. Right. Yeah. Then it makes sense why she would have this special ability. But we just, I just think we don't know. It enough hasn't been yet.
0: cleared up yeah. yet. Yeah. I,
1: I think that there's going to be an answer to that, though. I think they've I raised. I think they've raised that question. I, I bet there's an answer because otherwise.
0: It makes it she doesn't was, have a her her
1: importance as of episode one was such that we were kind of asking ourselves, like, why this little girl character? Is she from the comics or something? And I think that by making her as important as they did from episode one, it it's obvious that they've got some sort. No, whether now it might be hard to know because if the show ends abruptly, yeah. we don't get these answers. Yeah, it I doesn't know. mean they didn't have the answers. It just means that they didn't get to tell them. Maybe it'll come out in some interview or something. Or a comic book. Um, but I'm willing. But I'm willing to, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that they have. I you know the way that they do these streaming series where there's an entire season ordered at once and they plot the whole thing out and they shoot it all as one block. I think they probably they have the 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 end in mind when they write the beginning. It's not like they're making it up as they go along. So right. if they introduce this character and they give her this special ability, I'm betting that they have an answer for for why she can do it. Right. Yep. It could be something like that. I mean, there's been I'm trying to think like there's it's not unprecedented for I'm trying to think if there's an, an I'm trying, there's there's something. I'm not sure it was Swamp Thing, but there's some, some some series that was part of like the, the more mystical side of the D C universe where there was like this special child that was it's gonna drive me crazy. There's like a special child. Was it Constantine? Was it something Constantine related? Where there was this child that was born and it was it had this special destiny and like all the magical characters of the D C universe had to protect them because it was gonna be like the savior of the universe or something like that. I don't know. I might be I might be thinking of a Doctor Fate thing from uh, jeff johns jsa run but i think there was something else anyway it's 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 sort of an it's, we had
0: a similar thing but that was um the naha naha that was born yeah the <laughs> villi-
1: that happens on the bad guy side sometimes sure. i don't know i just I, I i think that it's it's sort of a it's sort of a smart way to do it actually because if, if swamp thing realizes the full extent of his powers there's not really any earth-based threat that he can't Handle. Dismantle immediately. Sure. Like the only thing that can really go up against him is something equally powerful like the rot or something like that. But or if you don't if you fan. don't want that ultimate battle to be part of your first season, right. then you have to sort of like will he will he come to grips with this power power soon enough to save this one girl or this one town right. or whatever. Right. Like if you keep it small like that instead of just having it be this ultimate battle You can
0: take the next season then have it and sort of build threat. build up sure.
1: from there. So I think it was kind of smart of them to have it focus on and it, and it being like the thing that brings the characters together too like abby There was like the 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 patient that she sort of connected to the most and sort mm-hmm. of we the audience need sort of a, a character that is infected with this thing to care about abby curing it also sure and then to have her be the one that connects then we need someone to sort of connect her to him sure they go into the swamp and she finds him and he saves her and it's sort of smart to have a character like that that can Bounce back and forth between the two worlds. And now she's sort of connecting the Sunderlands to everything because of the fact that she's seemingly got the demonic spirit of their daughter in her. Yeah, right. So, (laughs) yeah. So I'm really enjoying it.
0: Me too. Very much. And
1: that's it for our shows. Yep.
0: We had a great time putting together this show and all the 199 episodes that came before and regular You don't know that. I might have had a miserable
1: time putting that quiz together for all you know. (laughs) Did you? no okay good (laughs) (laughs) But you don't know
0: that well now i do i asked you (laughs) all right um yeah so thank you for listening and um we hope you enjoyed this show and if you want to reach out to us we have an email address mailbag at smartspodcast.com. our website is www.smartspodcast.com on twitter we are at smarts podcast and facebook it's facebook.com slash smarts podcast yay how about a funny sound for us (coughs) nice